0: Women Taking the Lead, Episode 87.
1: When you grow up, you know, in a culture that doesn't quite accept you, if you wait to get on the team, you might never, ever play the game. So you you have to just get out there. Don't try to be part of a mold that doesn't have room for you. Break the mold, create your own mold and, and green light yourself.
0: Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Sarah Millman who is an independent filmmaker and writer whose work has been screened and distributed on five continents. She envisioned Back Her to enable fellow artists, activists and entrepreneurs to grow budgets while at the same time to support women who are rising from poverty and oppression. Sarah has devoted much of her life to actively caring for people and animals. Social and economic justice has been a factor in her life from the start and Sarah is especially passionate about creating and growing the Back Her Rise Together Fund. Now Sarah that's just it's amazing but it's just a little bit about you. So tell everyone a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings.
1: Okay, great. Hello. So to get to my story, I'm going to take you way back as my childhood experience had a huge impact on how and how I got off to accomplish my life goals. Uh, My mom was from Baghdad, Iraq, and my family had to flee for safety. She grew up in London and immigrated to America when she was 16. And then I was eventually born in New York. Uh, as a child, my parents moved me to the South, and that had a huge impact on me. Uh, people seemed to find all kinds of reasons all of a sudden to have a huge problem with, with me, whether it was ethnicity, religion, economic status, or the fact that I wasn't, didn't fit into the image of what a girl was supposed to be like in those days, uh, I was really reminded all the time that all the identities that I had were different and I I felt very much like an outsider. Uh, When I was 16, I took off on a Greyhound bus to New York City to begin my dreams to become an actress. And uh, New York was really kind of healing for me as, as feeling as an outsider because there were so many different types of people. That there, there was just much more room to be different. Like no, you know, everybody's different there, <laughs> so it was, right, right. You don't stand <laughs> out. <laughs> you don't stand out. So and that was really healing for, for certain people. Um, yeah. So after a few months of working odd jobs and not being able to find yeah employment that was you know stable, and after I was sort of swindled out of some money because you know I was pretty young and and kind of green back then, I lost my little I lost my little room at the YMCA and where I was staying, and I had beca- and I became homeless. Now, uh, at that point, I, I couldn't go to get myself to go back to the South because even though I didn't have a home in New York, at least I wasn't, I wasn't being bullied. Um, I'd rather face the, the difficulties I was experiencing there than to, to go back. So for the next nine months, I lived in, in Grand Central Station and in the streets. Um, and my dream uh, to be an actress started to unravel, not just because of my lack of stability, because I still managed at that point to go to auditions, but, but I was not equipped at that time to deal with the, the extreme uh, sexism in the New York casting world of that time. Um, the concept of, of the casting couch was not a myth, and it was a price of admissions for a lot of, a lot of actresses. Um, both in the acting world and the homeless world, girls and women had, had a real extra layer, layer of vulnerability Uh, to their lives Um, but the silver lining in this whole story was as the actress dreams were withering a new dream started to take root inside me and I bought a little notebook and started to jot down ideas and characters Um, and I I decided that I really wanted to make my own films and tell my own stories and and back then there were there were no I didn't know of a woman director there 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 was very few and um, so I didn't even know it was a dream that I could have But uh, that's what I decided to do. And my life took many crazy turns, magical twists. You know, there were good years and bad years, hard years, but I worked hard to to try to make that happen. And eventually I was able to make, you know, my first indie film, which which went to a lot of festivals. And I got to travel and speak with my audiences. And it was really a great, incredible experience.
0: That is amazing. I love hearing stories where it starts off like, there was nothing out there for me or nothing that I felt was the right place for me. So I made it myself, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, right, a lot of people, mother, yep, exactly. A lot of people do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. And Sarah, my goodness, you have had such success in your life. You've come so far. And I get there's there's true grittiness in your story, right? And there's ups and downs to every journey, but you've definitely gained confidence going through what you did. And, and now you're able to give back. Now take us back to a time when you were playing small. And you may not have been aware of it at the time. It may have only been in retrospect that you realized like, what, I was crazy. I was capable of so much more than what I thought I was at that time. Share with us the story and the lessons
1: you learned. Okay, sure. Uh, well, I'm in the middle of finishing a book I've been working on for several years now. Uh, and in it's a memoir in which there's a chapter called "Both Prince and Pauper," and this story tells tells an experience I had once when I was in London, and I was a- attending a film festival at the British Film Institute, uh, where a film I made was was it was the closing night film, and the festival provided me with a, a big limousine and a driver, and a couple of days prior to the showing, he was the driver was taking me to the BBC for a radio interview about the film. And as I was sitting in the back of that limousine, I suddenly felt like super anxious to, to, to do anything I was supposed to be doing, like going to the interview or going to the film showing. And, and I realized that, that I had struggled to be seen like my entire life. <laughs> I wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a voice. Um, but now that like, there'd be so many eyes on me, there was going to be, a, it, they said it was going to be like a sold out venue of about a thousand people. And all of a sudden I felt like, oh, God, that's not a great idea. You know, I want, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I was like,
1: why do I want to be seen? I was so used to defending myself and my personhood, you know, on so many levels that it just didn't register really that, that everything that I'd been going, all this film screenings and parties that had been like something celebrating uh, a, a story that originated from me. You know, a lot of us worked on it and collaborated. Uh, but it was something that I, I had thought about, you know, that I'd created. Um, So, I think that for some of us seeking to expand um, to places that we weren't, like, born into or trained for, we have to, like, agree to go there, too. It's like, or else, you know, we risk self-sabotage. Right. Yeah. And so, there I was, you know, as I was... In the back of, of the limo, I, I I had very little money still, even though I had made this film and I was counting pennies to get through the, the trip. I couldn't really afford a cup of tea, of course in London. If you you know, if you know how expensive it is there, a cup of tea is like a small fortune. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember sitting there looking out at the streets and I felt like both a prince and a pauper at the same time. It's like whilst it's true that I had currently had very little money to my name, I thought. You know, what if I had like a hundred million euros in my pocket one day, would I still feel like a pauper? Would I still feel like an an outsider on the inside? Mm -hmm.
0: That's a great question. Have you, have you found an answer to it yet?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, when I look at myself and talk to other people about their stories, um, I think that in time, we we usually get a lot more comfortable with ourselves and, and, and usually uh, it's never going to be perfect. And I think I'll always have some moments of, of doubts, but no, I'm feeling pretty good these days because I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've that, I've been on that path to really get to know myself and to find my value. So. Mm, and that's huge.
0: And, and I really love how, what you were speaking to Sarah is that uh, how a lot of us have that fear of success Right. We want success so badly, but where we it's it's all wrapped around our identity. And, and that's exactly what you said was, you know, like I was going to have to like be something different. Right. To really embrace all of these accolades and what was coming at me, you know, but I didn't know like who I was at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Was having a hard time taking it all in, you know, because when we become successful, we actually have to be a bigger version of ourselves not something different from ourselves right but actually be who we really are and who we really are is worthy of all of that attention all of those accolades um so that's a really a really great question to 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 really be um working through
1: yes exactly and also how we define success you know that changes over the years too Mm-hmm. How we grow into knowing that success can mean a whole lot more on a deeper level or maybe a more spiritual level than just, you know, just the idea of what success might mean in society or material success or ego success.
0: Right. Getting to that deeper meaning of what brings me fulfillment and satisfaction, that that's success. Right. Exactly. Huge. All right, Sarah, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success.
1: Okay, um, I'm going to start out funny enough and and go way back again to my youth Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I had a really cathartic moment. Um, and you know, it, one day, and it was a time when I stood up for myself, and I made sweeping changes uh, as a result. And in fact, as an adult, now when I need to make a change, uh, sometimes I, I conjure up that time um to give myself some extra resolve remembering that bold that bold young person that that I that I was that day. So uh I was fifteen years old and it's before I moved to New York. And I was still living in that same place and one day a very nasty teacher he used to poke fun of me for various reasons. Um especially believe it or not because of my diet. I had been a vegan since I was twelve years old. Bef- um, and one day, he made me go have a timeout in the science project as punishment for not wanting to dissect frogs. And so I was in, I was in that closet all alone, and it was, you know, pretty kind of scary in there. And he opened up, he came in, and he opened up this, this barrel containing dead kittens, and he took them out. Uh-huh. Yeah, he took out two kittens, these little tiny kittens that were dead, and put them in my face. It was really like a little horror story. And, um, and then he put them down on the shelf and left. And so here I was sitting in this room. And I felt, you know, at first I felt powerless and I felt traumatized. And, but something all of a sudden came over me. And I had this immense realization. Right there in the dark little closet, I felt, that even though I was just in the 10th grade, that I had to take charge of my own life. And it, it was just a powerful knowing, and I just left. I left the closet, I left the school, <laughs> and I never came back. And mm. I studied for my GED, and that was it. I, I started to. I decided I needed to, you know, live my own life, and I got a job as a waitress, and I saved money. And a year later, you know, I moved to New York and and started my path. Now, even though there were hard times in New York, um, it was still part of the path that led to my success. And. That's, you know, when I, when I talk to other people, when they, when they tell me about other hard, hard times and they go through their life story, it's, it's always interesting to see that even though we have a bunch of different kinds of times in our life, all our life experiences kind of are the part of, they're our portfolio of, of our a complete winning package, everything that we've been through.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's not just the good times. Right. Like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything went smoothly. I worked really <laughs> hard, but there were no challenges. And then we met with ultimate success. Nobody has that story. Nope. Right. Yeah. It's always, you know, and in, in the um, I remember the old Franklin Covey trainings where they talked about sharpening the saw. Right. It's it's friction that that causes the the blade to sharpen right and be more powerful, that oftentimes is what we bump up against and have to deal with and the things that challenge us that actually that will make us stronger. Yep. Um, And what a realization, you know, at 16 to recognize like, you don't have to put up with being treated badly. You don't have to be in any situation that doesn't serve you
1: and that you can walk away. Yep, it was a great Thing, and I thank thank the teacher.
0: The, so that's huge, Sarah. Thank you so much for for sharing that story. It was definitely not easy, I'm sure, to even re, like retell a story like that, given, you know, um, your belief and your feelings towards animals. But that that's really key for everyone to get that, you know, even subtle things. We don't have to tolerate it, and we can do something about it.
1: Yeah. And each time we do it can be a learning experience. You don't have to be perfect in every moment. If something slipped by and you did something that you didn't feel so great about, or you wished you had spoken up more, you know, just mm-hmm. keep practicing it and and don't don't feel bad about yourself because the more you practice, the more you're going to get great at it.
0: Yeah. And you can always swing back around and address it, right? Exactly. Yes. Awesome. All right, Sarah, now what I want um, you to tell us about is your leadership style, because we all lead differently, right? We all bring different things to the table. So how would you describe your leadership style?
1: I believe that I like to be a leader amongst leaders. Um, It's not so fun in my book to be a leader amongst followers. So what I prefer uh, to do as a leader is to seek the leader in others um, and to encourage all of us to live and work in a state of authentic empowerment now that doesn't mean we all have to be perfect leaders or that you know we even all made it to 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 recognize all of our leadership um, capabilities but irregardless of what level of leadership any of us have manifested at, at any given point in time for me it's about encouraging the development of self-empowerment and authentic leadership in, in everyone. And that's, that's mm-hmm. how I like, that's what I like about leadership is, is to be able to uh, help everybody unfold so that we can all like, you know, do the best that we can do together.
0: Right. I love that. I like, I describe that to people as like advanced, evolved leadership, right? Yep. When you've reached a place in your leadership and it takes a lot of humility right? To be a leader amongst leaders, where you're completely comfortable to take a step back and allow others to bring their best forth. But that's you at your best as well. And recognizing that. Yes,
1: that's right.
0: That's huge. Thank you for that answer, Sarah. And what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and you want to share with us?
1: Okay, well, besides uh, finishing up the book I told you about, which I'm really excited about, Uh, The most exciting project right now is our new platform and website that recently launched, uh, backer.com. And Backer is a brand new crowdfunding platform that enables women-led teams and individuals to raise money for all their projects, artistic, personal, business, whatever they're working on. Uh, When you use Backer to fund your your ideas, your your efforts also uh, automatically help underserved women and girls uh, through our Backer Rise Together Fund. And part of our platform fees go to organizations that support uh, women and girls who are rising out of poverty and oppression. Currently, we have an organization that we support in Oakland, California, that helps youth survivors of of sexual trafficking and those at risk. And we also support an organization in India that makes sure that girls in the poorest of of families have access to an education. Um, Backer is on a mission to support women in gaining the tools and finances we need to take the next step for it, our projects and endeavors, um, and we're pretty passionate about making this thing work and and being able to help help all of us realize our dreams.
0: That's amazing, and it's a crowdfunding platform. So, how does it work? Would I go on there and I can pick different projects to donate money to or get involved in? How does it work exactly? Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, um, you can go to Backer. You can see some projects that are up there, and um, if you find one that you would like to be a part of, then you can contribute some money. And oftentimes, the most all the projects on there actually have uh, rewards that you can get to be a part of uh, the projects. Um, you know, ranging from different kinds of works of art to being able to actually be a part of the experience of the creation. I think we have a musician on there who they're cutting a CD in the studio and you can go be a part of that. Um, It's a great way to get involved with and collaborate with people and to, you know, and support them in in working working on their great works of, of art and things they have to offer to the world. And also if you're a um, person working on a project and wanting to take that next step in, in either a business that you already have or you're starting something new or, or um, even if you have some kind of uh, charity type mission that you're involved in, uh, you're welcome to uh, put your own project up on Backer and, and raise the, the funds that you're looking for.
0: Oh, very cool. Thank you for bringing the other side of it into it, too. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. All right, Sarah, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader?
1: Mm, the the practice that I would say would be that of compassion, um, putting heart before ego whenever possible. That's not always easy, <laughs> <laughs> especially for some of us. I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo dragon, so... Remembering to practicing putting my heart, you know, before that ego, becoming more aware of of the interactions I have with each person um, every day, as well as you know, to all all living beings, and knowing that each of us deserves you know to be treated with respect. uh, Practicing empathetic listening, and just kind of developing all around mindfulness that that allows me to expand to 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 live and lead, you know, with a heightened sense of integrity and commitment to to all of, to the success of, of, of us all.
0: And how do you bring that awareness in, right? Because all of that, and you, you really underscored it, requires awareness, right? We have to remember.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, you have, for me, the key is to always think about things from not just the perspective of your own mind. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, types of people, we all come from different families and various cultures, um, and we can't just be stuck in our own brains thinking that the world is exactly how we see it. So, being able to really listen deeply to people and what they have to say, and um, not just not just rush, rush to judgment or you know rush to think that we know the the answers or the solutions or how everything should go. So, really being being a good listener. And taking the time to to see everybody as a as a person of value. That's what that's how I think. And just just to have that mindfulness and not just rush through your day trying to, you know, make make the reality the way you think it should always be.
0: Yeah. And I think one thing that helps me on occasion is to look back at my day. And just think about it. That, that can help remind me for the next day. Like if I'm mindful mm-hmm. about, all right, where did I really bring it forth today? And where did I fall down? Okay. Like now, yes. tomorrow, let's, let's start over, hit the reset button and try again. So that, that's yeah, huge.
1: Definitely reflecting on what has taken place so that we can get back in there and, and keep improving ourselves.
0: And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership?
1: Okay. Uh, the book, I have to be honest about I The last few years have been so busy raising my kid and writing my own book and launching a company that <laughs> reading a full-size book is something I, I haven't been able to do. I read, ch- I read bite-size articles on the internet. But I do want to say that I listen to TED Talks a lot. Mm-hmm. And I often listen to women leaders on TED Talks. And Uh, you can listen on either the app or just just go out right on the internet and listen to a TED Talk. And there's two in particular I'd like to point out. One was by Dame Stephanie Shirley, who escaped the the Nazi invasion in World War War II. And she ended up in England where she started a company of women freelance programmers, one of the first um, of women in tech. And she started the company with six pounds and turned it over into over 3 billion pounds. Um, she just did a talk a few months ago, which can still be heard up on Ted talks. And she's just amazing to listen to very inspirational. And another one to look out for would be by Verna Myers, who discusses biases and diversity, uh, and how to develop, you know, how to develop a more diverse way of approaching your workplace and your life. Um, Anyone who's developing leadership qualities, I think it's of utmost importance to develop an understanding and awareness of our of our own biases. Mm. And what advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Two words, two <laughs> two <laughs> words, which is green light yourself. Uh, yeah, when you grow up, you know, in a culture that doesn't quite accept you, if you wait to to get on the team. You might never, ever play the game. So you, you have to just green light yourself and and get out there. Don't don't try to be part of a mold that doesn't, you know, doesn't have room for you. Break the mold. Create your own mold and, and green light yourself.
0: And that's certainly what you've done, which is really yes. great.
1: <laughs> now, Sarah, share with
0: us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Okay.
1: Um, this has a little bit of a story, too. Uh, when I was about 19 or 20, I lived in Los Angeles and worked as a personal assistant, which took me on a lot of driving missions. And one day uh, I picked up my boss's guest, take them to a big ceremony. And that guest turned out to be the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And I didn't really know him at the time that much about him back then. But as we were sitting in the car, he was sitting in the front seat next to me and we were like battling that LA traffic to get to this big thing, Uh, He was asking me all kinds of questions about myself. And at the end, he said, "Uh, well, Sarah, if you manage to stay on your path in life, you'll always be at the perfect place. So those words have echoed in through me throughout my life and has sort of been, uh, I'd call it a mantra. Because, uh, you know, my path to success was definitely not a straight trajectory. I had to climb many different mountains and, you know, st- time still do. So when I have a steep climb, I, I remember Mr. Tutu's words that I'm in the perfect place right now. And this reminds me that, that success can, can be something we work towards. But as a destination, the end goal of success is something that's a small path. You know, it's a small part of the journey. It's, it's all the many moments in our lives that matter. Um, it's, not that, it's not to deny that we might have to change where we are, or we might really need to change where we are. But if that's the case, to be compassionate, you know, compassionate and loving towards ourselves right in this very moment. So that's what Mr. Tutu's words of wisdom meant to me. And that's what I think about all whenever I need to be more mindful and be in the present.
0: Mm, Let's let that sink in one more
1: time. Can you say that for us again? If you manage to stay on your path in life, you will always be at the perfect place.
0: I love that. I love that. Okay. And lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you, Sarah?
1: Uh, You can uh, connect with me on Twitter at FilmWorks7. That's FilmWorks7. But also the best way to to connect with me would be to go directly to our website, backher.com. And um, there you can uh, just use the contact form and say that you want to get a hold of me and I'll I'll be right back at you.
0: Awesome. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com, and that website link will be there. And Sarah, thank you, too, so that people know that you're the one who will respond back to them, because sometimes you can enter in an email on a contact form, and it goes into the great beyond, and you never hear anything back, so... (laughs) So it's great that um, you will be getting back to anyone who reaches out to you. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. It
1: was lovely to talk with all of you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes.